Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, I'm Pav. And I'm Neil. And welcome to the top 10 of anything podcast. Let's start the countdown. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. The Beatles, arguably the greatest band ever, but it would be a bit boring just doing a top 10 best songs from the Fab Four, and for every 10 epic tunes, there must be at least one not quite so good. Who am I kidding? They're the goddamn Beatles. We are going to try and count down our top 10 worst songs from Joan, Phil, Greg and Bingo. We may need some help. I've got a feeling Neil is going to give us some Beatles facts. Don't let me down, you fool on the hill. Thank you very much, Pav. I do indeed. So here we go. It was Stuart Sutcliffe, John's art school friend, who was drafted in as the bass player, who came up with the name The Beatles. You're daft, yeah. So keen were they to dis- distinguish themselves from the shadows that the Beatles didn't use Fender guitars until 1965. You're daft, yeah. I was... During a 56-night residency in 1960 at Hamburg's Kaiserkeller, the band played every day, 7.30 to 9pm, at 9.30 to 11pm, 11.30 to 1am, and 1.30 to 2am, seven days a week. (laughs) The Beatles were famously turned down by Decca record label and instead signed for Parlophone. The band's publisher sent an anonymous tape from their later sessions to Decca to see if the label would be fooled into making the same mistake again. It wasn't. In the NME in the early 1963, the boys listed their ambitions. Lennon, to write a musical. McCartney, to have my picture in the dandy. Harrison, to design a guitar. And Starr, to be happy. Stop it, you disgusting middle-aged squares. Lennon once claimed that Ticket to Ride was one of the first heavy metal records because of its use of loud amplified guitars and drum sound. This happened once. McCartney claimed yesterday came to him in a dream as he finished the as a finished melody, fully formed. He asked friends, "Is this by me or did someone else write it?" Almost as if he discovered it. It was originally called Scrambled Eggs. You're daft, yeah. The Beatles spent longer making Yellow Submarine than they took to record their entire debut album. 
This happened once. Uh, one. The choked one. Lennon wanted Hitler to be included in the sea of faces on the Sgt. Pepper album cover, but was overruled at the last minute. I love and the BBC band I Am The Walrus, not for its anti-establishment tone, but because it contains the word knickers. Stop it, you disgusting middle-aged squares. Is that it? That's it! Wonderful. Thank you very much, Yay! Neil. Now, originally... Uh, I wanted to do the top 10 best Beatles songs, but our guest, ladies and gentlemen, first let me introduce our guest. He loves pancakes, has a great head of hair, is extremely wealthy, hates Josh Gad, loves his pugs and the Queen. It's two-time Radio Hall of Fame legend, dare I say it, the GOAT. Ladies and gentlemen, live from the Capitol is Gene Bean Baxter. Hello, sir. Hello, sirs. How are you? By the way... Outstanding intro. Enjoyed it very much. Your show is already so much more professional than the one that I do. But I have to ask, Neil, why have I never heard of this band, The Beatles? They sound fascinating. <laughs> well, I believe Shit. they come from a little place called Liverpool. Well, their records never made it to America, I'll tell you that, because I certainly would have recognized some of those songs. Check them out. They do a good diddly. Okay. Yeah. All right. Fantastic. The one thing I will say, I mean, anybody that knows Bean knows that he does this amazing English accent. And if anybody has heard his English accent, will know it <laughs> literally sounds like Paul McCartney. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <There> you go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, I've got no accent, guys. I, I, when I was getting ready to move back here to the United States, and I address this uh, to your many, many listeners who have no idea who the hell I am or why I was invited, but I was born here. I grew up on and off here, but mostly lived around the world with a military family. And a couple of years ago, my wife and I decided to move back here to the birthplace, to the motherland, the UK. And I honestly thought that if I were back here and among my people again, that my accent, which I did used to have as a child, would slowly return. I honestly thought I would just pick it up. If for no other reason, you'd, you'd be surrounded with people and you would start to change your inflections and whatnot. But I sound exactly the day as I got off the boat, man. I don't feel like I've gotten any more English since I've been back here the last two, almost two and a half years. I'm sorry to say, I wish I, I, wish I had a cool accent like y'all do. Yeah. So what, what accent did you have? Where were you from originally then? Well, we lived in London. Oh, right. In Islington. Yeah. I was born in Ricelip, but we lived in Islington. And then I don't remember exactly. We moved away when I was very young and then moved back again for a couple of years when I was in school. But I don't exactly know where. Unfortunately, a, a lot of that generation of family is gone and I didn't get to them to get that information in time to be able to use it now. So I, I don't I don't know. But it is great to be back here in, uh, in my homeland for sure. Good. Even though you do still say math sometimes on your podcast, which I, I make occasional errors yeah, yeah. sure we all do we all do none of us are perfect indeed no, come on Pav give him a break I'm sorry give no it's just break. that when I'm sat there working and I listen to the podcast and he'll, he'll say about how English he is and then he'll say math and I think oh, yeah. bean, oh bean. I'm not as English as I'd like to be but you know what I'm a, I'm a hybrid I just I gotta accept that I'm 50, you know 50-50 so I'm happy yeah. with that I, look I love America as well absolutely mm. who doesn't what about English things um, Bean have you picked up like are you a fan of Marmite I've not had it Mm. Tragedy? Uh, tragedy tragedy yeah i mean yeah. you you either love it or hate no, it no i hate I'm it it's, it's, it's the it's the devil's 
This is how stuff. Australians talk about Vegemite is you're either in, hard in or hard out. There's nobody who goes, eh, take it or leave it, right? Mm. It sounds like Marmite's the same way. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely it is. Uh, a tea, a good cup of tea. Well, oh, I've wow. always been a, I've always been a tea fan and, uh, I'm, I have one right here in front of me. I love it. Oh, there we are. Um, I will tell you there's a lot and, and Pavo knows this from listening to the show. There's a ton of food. I really, really miss from America. But if I were to ever leave England, you know what I would miss the most from, from British cuisine is the nut loaf. There's no nut loaf equivalent in the United States, for instance. Oh. I because I don't I don't eat uh, cows and pigs and sheep and goats. I don't eat any of those. So the nut loaf has become my Sunday roast staple, and it's phenomenal. I've never had a nut roast that I haven't loved, and that's not something I'd be able to find if I left the UK. So that's mm. that's my number one. I gotta there say. Go. But so you, you you equate that with your pancakes that you miss from America, don't you? Yeah, same sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, but here's the thing. Every single place you live in the world is going to have things you love about it, things you don't, advantages, disadvantages. There no place has everything. You're always going to be missing something, no matter where you are. Indeed, absolutely. absolutely. Goes well, with the territory. That's food talk uh, here on our Beatles <laughs> <Yeah>. podcast. <laughs> um, before we actually get into the top ten, we just want to say hello to Jen Berg and to Hi, and to Janine Bender who's our new Patreon toppers. So thank you very much for your support. Uh, God bless you. And uh, look at that. I mean, I know that we have got them. We are, they are run off from the cup of tea in the chat uh, podcast. So thank you so much. And they are going to be absolutely buzzing that they're on your episode bean so uh, having well, that very much they're lovely people i'm happy to have them and i'm happy they're with you as well indeed and we will talk a little bit about the podcast a little bit later on but we've got business to attend to first so um top 10 worst beatles songs mm. uh this i have to say without a shadow of doubt, uh, episode 34 i think this is the hardest one i've ever had to do without a shadow of doubt i was doing my top 10 on friday and saturday and you just realize that there's every song is great wow <laughs> and you think can oh my God. i can think of one that i know anybody that likes no really. they're worse i mean hopefully i'm probably being honest but i don't know you guys how did you feel about compiling your top 10 being I mean, I agree. There's a reason they're the greatest band of all time is because their level of quality is astonishing over the course of what, just eight years that they were making records mm-hmm. together. It, you're, uh, the one thing, the one rule I gave myself as I sat down to make this list is that I was going to cut them some slack on early songs when their songwriting hadn't quite found their mm. feet when they're they're not even bad they're just kind of forgettable maybe some of the early you know some of those tracks that weren't singles from the first three or four albums are songs that you go well that's okay but nothing bad they just didn't do bad records i don't think although neil obviously disagrees <laughs> yeah. with at least one right oh i know one <laughs> so i uh so there were i do have a i do have some hits on my list of yeah. things that i think need to maybe because they were beatles we accepted them but from somebody else we would have said come on for reels what are you doing here right and then i have some and then i have some other songs that i think just kind of represent some some bad habits that the beatles got into in, in sometimes and that'll become more clear as we explain it later but you're absolutely right it was a very difficult list to make because almost any band in the world would be happy to have almost any of the songs that are on our top 10 lists exactly and i think that the, the songs on our list would be amazing songs for any other band 
That's the way I, I saw it. I just said almost I think exactly what Oh, God, I'm like Ali. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Neil, what about you? So it was tough for you. Sorry, no, was, Dean, you did just hard. exactly say that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was very, very hard. I had to go through, like I always do when we come to music and things, I go back to my iTunes and look at the ones that I listen to the most and had to narrow them down. I mean, I'll talk about the one that I think is an appalling song. Don't even think it really is a song, but we'll go through that one later on. Mm. Um, but the rest, even though they're on my list, I, I, it's not that I particularly dislike them. They just I, come lower yeah. than other songs. That's all it is. Yeah, I agree. Right then, Bean, uh, shoot us off with your number 10. Oh, what an honor to get to go first. Okay. Absolutely. Number 10 on my list of the worst Beatles songs of all time is Flying. Which is, I believe, their only instrumental, if that sounds right to you boys, their only instrumental. So what's kind of the point of being the Beatles if you're not going to be singing on a song? For starters, you've got to take a point away for it being an instrumental. It originally started out being over nine minutes long. Mercifully, the version that we hear on the Magical Mystery Tour is only about two and a half. So even if you don't enjoy it, it doesn't waste all day. But it's just not interesting in any way. It almost it sounds like a classic album filler. Oh, we need an extra track. Let's just doodle in the studio for a few minutes and whatever we record, we're going to put it out. I just have no, no, there's no use for it as far as I can tell. Mm. So that's my number 10, Flying. Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna try and play them this, a little bit of the song as we are talking so that at least it gives a little bit of context. But I must admit that was one of the ones that was on my honourable mentions list, definitely, mm. because I think, and I think after watching the Get Back documentary and you realise just how much they messed about in the studio and and just jammed you can see how there are times they must have thought in, a, in an album we need another song yeah let's just let's just do that i've got one on my list that i'm sure was was that so yeah i mean i, I completely agree with you on that that was one that was very very close to my uh my top 10 uh neil gone then you're number 10 now this one may be very controversial to a lot of people but to me i don't know what it is it, it's just not as great as i originally thought it's the long and winding road <gasps> oh i know i oh, know and i've spoken wow. to many people about this and not blasphemy no i know i don't know what it is i've got a little bit i don't know whether it's over listening i've got a little bit bored with it does that make sense when you hear absolutely a, song a lot you get bored so that's basically what's happened and i tend to skip it when it's on my playlist no. Well, there is such thing as I've heard it enough for the rest of my life. We all yeah. have those Stairway to Heaven, Hotel California type songs where we just, honestly, we're at, we're at the breaking point when they come <laughs> on again. And I get it. Unfortunately, a, a lot of radio stations, you know, they're not playing 200 Beatles songs. They're playing 20 Beatles songs. And mm. the ones that are in rotation are the ones that you can get real burnt up forever. That's right. And that, unfortunately, is what happened with that one. Now, this is, like I said before, it's not to take away what a great song it originally was. Just to me, personally, it's, I just, I wouldn't mind if I never heard it again. <laughs> but are there, are there some songs, especially Beatles songs, that are, like, indestructible, that it doesn't matter how... I mean, you said Hotel California being... I, I don't think I've ever been tired of that song. And I think Long and Wandering Road, for me, is one of those songs that you sort of... It, it's just simple but brilliant i mean look there's going to be song this is all subjective isn't it i mean yeah I, one of us may say well i love the long and winding road that would be in my top 10 of, of beatles songs i think mm -hmm. um 
I did say it would be controversial, that one. <laughs> right off the bat, Neil. Goodness and me. God hasn't struck him dead yet, so apparently it's an allowable opinion. I think it's yeah. an allowable opinion, yeah. It's because I haven't actually criticised the song itself. I've criticised my own relationship right. with it. That's what it is. Right. Indeed, indeed. Okay, well, my number 10 is also was, was a big hit. It's uh, Paperback Writer. Um, and I think the reason I don't like it is it's it's a little bit weird in its structure. It's a little bit um, all over the place. It, it doesn't, for me, have that hook that Paul McCartney songs usually have. They have one hook that will either just get the emotion going or will drag your heart into the song. That one, for me, just doesn't have something about it, and I don't know what it is. Um, it, that one was quite easy, even though it's one of their biggest hits. Mm. It's not you one... hate guys trying to write a book, it sounds like. Uh, I mean, any kind of things with books. Unless they got pictures in them, being, I'm, I'm not interested. Well, yeah, reading I, is for losers, I've said it my whole life. <laughs> you, oh, well, that's me then. Because <laughs> I have to read for him as well. You do, yes. Yes, <laughs> you are my official uh, reader. But it's, yeah, there's something about it. Um, I think it also goes with some of the other decisions that I have in my top ten. I mean, would, would you class this as psychedelic? It's not really a psychedelic. It's a bit of a rocker, isn't it? It's a yeah. rocky more, isn't it? I think it's in the, it's heading towards psychedelia, though. I think it's in that same time period where they're starting to get a little twangy. I'm I, sorry. I, I, I love this song. Right. Okay. There you go. No, I'm okay. I'm okay as well. So that's all right. We can carry on. Um, okay, then. Uh, Bean, you're number nine. Number nine is another song that... I'm I'm actually surprised. I at least I guess this is sort of in the flying vein where they needed another track. I'm actually surprised that they let this one go because it sounds like it was made up on the spot. And I know the Beatles were notoriously fast at writing lyrics, but this one sounds like they didn't write any lyrics. It was just whatever John Lennon shouted was what ended up being the lyrics for the track. And it's from the Let It Be album. And it's called Dig It. And I guarantee it's on somebody else's list. I guarantee Line number it. five. It sounds, like, it sounds like the kind of ad-libbing that a singer does on stage as the band is winding down and he just shouts at anything. I mean, if for folks who haven't heard this song, I mean, he he name checks Doris Day. He shouts out the FBI and the BBC. It's just a top of mind rambling. It's not even a real song, I don't think. It's about a minute. Yeah. Uh, doesn't don't need it. That's my number nine. Yeah, my number five. Dig it. I just don't know. It just seems a little bit pointless. It does. Like, how did it make the cut? I yeah, know. it seems like an outtake, doesn't it? I think that's what yeah. it is. Yeah. 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 And I know that we're all going to be thinking of whether we mention it or not, we're going to be thinking of the time that we spent watching the Get Back documentary. We totally can see how something like this happened in the studio, but that's the type of thing that they usually would never think of including onto the record. But they, that was how loosey goosey let it be ended up being that they decided it would. It has not aged well. No, no, no. Um, and I think it's also one of those songs that I think if they'd had a bit more time could have changed into a good I mean, song you know the way that like that like paul mccartney would have a bit of a song and then john lennon right. would say let's have something that he could have done with that but it, it's i agree it's a little bit of a waste of time but yeah another uh album filler i think isn't it it's is just a filler isn't it it was just to make the make the album that much longer yeah it? so that's your number five neil yeah that is my number five okay um so go on give us your number nine then so um, 
some of the Beatles novelty records I wasn't always uh, a big fan of. Maxwell Silverhammer. It's um, I don't know what it is about that song that I, I'm not a huge fan of it. Whether it's just because it's primarily just Paul McCartney that one, wasn't it? Really? Um, yeah, I, I don't know what how to put my finger on the button of that. It's just another track that I will skip. Well, let me let me help you because that's my number four, Maxwell Silverhammer. Wow. Okay. I have a tiny bit more affection for it, having seen Get Back, to see them actually bring in a, an anvil <laughs> to, to hit with a hammer, which I thought, you know, we're so used to these days just pulling up a sound effect on our computer, but somebody had to actually go out and find a hammer and find something to bang on in that. Ringo Starr has famously said when asked that that's the worst song the Beatles ever recorded. Uh, obviously, I agree. It's in my top 10 of their all-time worst songs. You're right, Neil. It doesn't need to exist. It's one of Paul McCartney's vaudeville songs. You know, and he was famous for, he loved doing those old-timey songs, right? Like When I'm 64 is a perfect example, right? This is not nearly as good as that. Uh, yeah, Maxwell Silverhand. And is it, is it, do you guys remember, is it based on a true story or did you just make it up out of whole cloth about a guy who goes around killing people with a hammer? Was there a news event associated with it at first or no? You know what? I'm not sure. I'm gonna. Yeah, I'm gonna look in my little book. But I'm gonna have a look. Now. I'm gonna have a look. Oh, I'm gonna Google quick, it because I'm pretty Google. sure that there was some kind of um, there was some kind of story behind it. I think that was mm. the whole point of it. But uh, talk amongst yourselves for a second while I just uh, have a little look. Yeah. <laughs> I understand that it took forever to record, and it was the song that Paul was like, all right, because we saw in Get Back that sometimes they would do 50 takes of a song, and every time he would say, let's try Maxwell again, the other three would be like, oh, do we have to? Like, no one was excited about it. No. Paul just dragged this one across the finish line. But I think most people kind of like that in the context of Abbey Road. I don't hear a lot of hate from other people on that. Do you, Neil? No, no, not really. People, people really, seem to accept it. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I don't hate the track. It's just one of those tracks that it, it's not my sort of music, the, right. like you said, the vaudeville style. I mean, I love the six, when I'm 64, as everybody does, although mm. in this country it always does still remind me of points of view. Pavel remember that one, um, which was the theme tune to it, which is a bit of a shame that it's taken away from that. But yeah, Maxwell Silverhammer, I don't know, it's just... It's that part of Paul McCartney that I'm not a big fan of. Right. Some of the Wings song and the solo stuff that he did, he's, he, he still liked to carry on doing those sort of things, and it's not my not my forte. Mm. According to Wikipedia, the song is about a student named Maxwell Edison who commits murders with a hammer, but McCartney describes the song as symbolic of the downfalls of life being my analogy for when something goes wrong out of the blue as it does so often. Well, so it's not whether there was a real Maxwell Edison it, or not. Yeah, it's not fact okay. fact based by the looks of it. All, right. All out of Paul McCartney's pretty head, bless him. Uh, okay, my number nine. Um, anybody that are jam fans will will recognise the riff from this, and it's Taxman from Revolver. Okay. Again, it's a bit the same reason as Paperback Writer. I, I'm just not sold on the whole groove of the song for some reason. I now I don't know whether it's because. Being the age that I was, I would have heard the jam song start first. So I would have felt like the Beatles were ripping off the jam <laughs> because of the song. I don't know whether that's just like deep in my like subconscious and that's one of the reasons why I sort of put the barriers up for this song. But there's nothing about that song that really makes me... And I love George Harrison songs. You won't realise this with the songs that I've picked 
for this top 10, but my favourite Beatles song is a George Harrison song. So just to put that out there, it's not like... Uh, Did you say you like the jam start? That, I mean... Yeah, because I, like- I mean, I was, I, was, I was big into the jam when they were, you know, the mm. whole mod revival and back in the early 80s when they were, you know, I loved the jam. But yeah, it's just something about that song that just doesn't really float my boat, as they say. Mm. I'm a Taxman fan. Um, it's probably not on my top 50 Beatles songs, but I like it very much. The bass line on it is killer on Taxman. I mean, it's, I mean, Paul McCartney doesn't get, I don't think enough, if it's possible to underestimate Paul McCartney, I don't think he gets enough credit for how great a bass player he is. And he slaps on that one. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And I think that's another thing we're going to reference the, the documentary and rightly so, so many times during this um, podcast, but I don't think you show it shows you exactly what kind of a bass player he is in Get Back. Just the fact that, and again, they've they've been playing together, and as Neil said, in the facts, you know, playing for seven hours in a a German nightclub or whatever, they 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 know exactly what everybody does in that band. Yeah, Um, I think he's one of the greatest bass players ever. To be perfectly honest, Paul McCartney. For sure. Yeah. Uh, Okay, then uh, your number eight, please, Bean. I don't think this one's going to be controversial. I'd be surprised if it's not on both of your lists sometimes. And it is Revolution number nine. Yes. Number nine. That's my number, number two. Nine. Number that nine. might be somewhere else for me. I, okay. <laughs> I, I'm disappointed in myself for not just putting it at number nine. That would have made it, that would have helped my <laughs> that CD a lot. <laughs> and, I, and I have a feeling that there may be people... It's still shocking to me, by the way, as much of a music fan as I am and as much as a Beatles fan as I've been my whole life, that there are a lot of people and many may be listening to this podcast who have never listened to all the Beatles songs. They've never listened to a full Beatles album Mm -hmm. and they may have no idea what Revolution Number 9 even is. So let's try to explain it. It is not the song that you love called Revolution. That is not it. Although there are two other versions of Revolution as well. This one is an audio montage. This is a studio trick. There is no song. There is no melody. It is little bits of music. It's sound effects. It's people talking. And I bet if I had been a teenager when the White Album came out, it would have blown my mind. I would have spent every night with my headphones on listening to that song and smoking weed or acid or something, right? It's eight and a half minutes long, too, by the way, which is another reason why I guarantee when you guys put on the White Album, you skip Revolution Number 9, and that's why it's my number eight. Yeah, it's my yeah, it's my number two. Very, very close to being my number one. And exactly what you just said, Bean, I was listening to... Uh, um, I'm terrible with music. I, I'm not a connoisseur of music like like you guys are. Both of you are. I get. I'm very. I'm a very lazy listener. So I will listen to the same songs. So I, I'm quite happy to put on a Beatles greatest hits because it's all the songs I love, all the songs I know. And I've slowly started listening to a lot of the Beatles stuff, like the actual albums at, from watching Get Back. And it was only it was also that, and there was a band I can't remember the name of the band, but they do really good versions live of complete Beatles albums. Mm-hmm. They don't try and look like the Beatles; they they just are wonderful musicians. And I watched them on YouTube, and they did the complete White Album, and they did a version of Revolution uh, Nine, and it was like crazy because they were playing all these different bits of tape on computers and stuff, and it made me love the that album even more. Um, but it's terrible. It's te- and I find out today. It's you called- only need to hear it once. That's exactly the, that's, the, that's the one sentence rip on Revolution Number Nine. You've heard it once. You go okay. 
That's my, that's been an experience. Yeah. I won't get those eight minutes back, but you never need to sit through it again. I'm not yeah. sure. I can't tell you the last time I heard it. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> I listened to the Beatles. I can't tell you the last time I even almost was accidentally exposed to it. That's how far down in the mix it needs to be for me. Yeah, and I find out on doing some um, uh, reading up on it today, it's called Musique Concrete. That's the style of what that particular art form is, which I didn't didn't know. And also I find out that Yoko Ono is involved a lot mm. in it. So that sort of explains a lot, really, on that. Um, okay, then, Neil, you're number eight, please. Right, okay, I might well get flayed for this one as well. It's an early one of theirs. It's I Want to Hold Your Hand. <gasps> I gotta go, guys. <laughs> I, I can't be associated with this show. What I know. Fuck is I going can't. on? It's my favourite Beatles song. It's oh, Neil, it's come so on. Free. It is my favourite. It is the encapsulation of Beatlemania. You can't hear that song without feeling joyful exactly everything that was great about the leading edge of the british invasion from the beatles i hear fifty thousand girls screaming their heads off when they go (laughs) yeah it's amazing no doubt the song is amazing it's another one that i got very bored with because it was the only beatles song i had growing up if that makes sense on my cassette that I had copied off the radio and I used to love it back then but now it's one of those ones when you put the top you know your greatest hits Beatles the number one album I like to put on I seem to skip that track now and again it may be through association rather than the actual quality of the music I'm not knocking the quality of the song at all it's association with me and I'm more of a fan of the later Beatles probably Mm. 65 onwards than the earlier stuff the um, I find it a little bit, some of it, a little bit too plinkety-plonkety, if you know what I mean, in the style of music. And that doesn't always resonate well in my listening habits at my age now. So I've put it in there just because, I, again, it's a, another track I skip. And I'm so sorry, B. That's a shock. It's not the song. That's itself. a shock. Pablo, try to defend your friend here. What are you going to do? I can't. I can't defend try. him. I can't defend him because there's two of his three that he's done so far would like be in my top ten. <laughs> but honestly, I did say to you, worst Beatles songs, didn't I? I didn't yeah, send you yeah. best. But then oh, good. There's no misunderstanding here. That's okay. what I was worried about. Because if he puts Hey Jude and that's... And I'm going to have to just hey, punch hey, him. Hey, hey, yeah. <laughs> no. No, because, you know, it's, it's all subjective. I mean, it know, is. nobody can love the same song, can they, over and over. But like I said, it's not that I dislike the song. It's that I just, I, I think there must be some sort of association with it that makes Sounds me like wanna, it. makes me just skip it through. Probably from my childhood, the, the fact that I was listening to it on a grainy, crappy cassette. And yeah, it's, okay. yeah, overdone. I had to 45, not at the time. I wasn't of record buying age, obviously, when that song came out. I was a tiny little kid, but it was one of the Beatles 45s that I bought when I be- started buying records. And I, mm. I played it a million times and I fell almost equally in love with the flip side. I should have known better, which is one of my all time favorite Beatles songs as well. I mean, you talk about yeah. bang for your 99p. That's a 45 right there. Absolutely. Absolutely. And they were they were good for their double A sides as well, weren't they? The Beatles. They they. Mm. Um, yeah. A few of them. I think one of them might be on my... Oh, I'll have a look at them anyway. Okay, so my number eight is from Rubber Soul. Uh, you Won't See Me. You talked about Plinky Plink songs, Neil. Mm. Um, I think this is McCartney at his best doing Plinkety Plink. Um, and I didn't realise that this is apparently about Jane Asher. I didn't realise oh, right. that. Apparently okay. He was having some trouble with Jane Asher, and so he wrote this. But it seems a little bit twee, this one, to me. It's... Um, McCartney has got 
different sections of his songwriting, hasn't he? He's got he's got the orchestrated ballad. I think he's an he's an amazing. I say he was an amazing rock vocalist. I think his voice is. I mean, he's eighty odd, so of course you've got to give him a bit of leeway for that. Uh, but this one doesn't again doesn't just have anything in it that I can hold on to that that really that sort of gets me turgid as Bean would mm. Bean would say. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. you know, there are a uh, the 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 Beatles have been covered maybe more than any other rock band. Would you guys say that's probably yeah? That was probably about right. Been thousands and thousands yeah, of times, yeah. right? And there are very few Beatles songs that when I hear the title, I think of another artist doing them. Like oh, right. one is Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. To me, that's an Elton John song. I think he's got the definitive take on that. And you may not know this one. I don't even know if it was a hit in our country now, but um, Anne Murray, the Canadian singer, uh, Anne Murray had the big American hit with You Won't See Me. It was very common, kids, for people to cover Beatles songs because they didn't release a lot of their songs that were great as singles. So other people would mine their albums and say, ooh, there's some hits on here. I can take one. Mm. Anne Murray's version of You Won't See Me was great. And that's the one I always think of. I have got no real affection for the Beatles version, though. But it's a good song. Was Was that a big hit? Big hit in the United States. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. I mean, that's where they made their money, wasn't it? And getting other people to mm. to, to sing that. Oh, it seems like Elvis, I suppose, isn't it? Sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, then, Bean, you're number seven, please. Number seven, I am also in the Rubber Soul album for number seven here. Okay. And this is a song that I probably would not have had a problem with 20 years ago, but it is in the lists of songs that have aged poorly because they're so misogynistic. And I point you to the Rolling Stones' Brown Sugar that they no longer perform. I point you to the annual debate over Baby It's Cold Outside, which mm. being the Christmas song that people say, well, it's a little rapey and monitor. <laughs> Run for Your Life by the Beatles. Run oh, for Your right. Life is my number seven. John Lennon, is he wrote this song. He's singing this song. He just now, when you hear it with modern, woke ears... And I and I and I don't think that's a negative. I think it's good that we're aware of these things. He sounds like a creepy stalker. I mean, he's threatening. He's following this woman. He's saying, uh, "I'd rather see you dead than to see you with another man." <laughs> and I'm sorry, I can't hear a lyric like that and go, "Well, this is a good listen. I'm enjoying this." So, run for your life, my number seven. Okay, <laughs> are you able to put it? I mean, we last week we did carry on films, and they were very much of a sixties and seventies, right? Can you do that with songs? Can you put them and think, well, that's of its time and, and maybe get over that a little bit? Can you can you separate the artist from the song as well? Yes, I can. Yeah, I'm not not listening to the Beatles because they have this song, if that's what you're asking. Yeah. No, I mean, what he was saying was a common feeling that people had back then. I mean, it was just we we just don't treat people that way anymore. That's mm-hmm. all. Yeah, it's definitely an artifact of its time. It's a mid-60s rock song. I get that. I just it, it, it gives me the, the, the willies a little bit when I hear it today. That's all. Yeah, that's a good point. Enough, I must yeah. admit, I, I don't think I've listened to that song all the way through. So I'll have to, I know it's sort of counterproductive, but I'll have to have a little listen to that to hear what it sounds like now. <laughs> I'm sort of like, you've piqued my interest. Uh, go on then, Neil, you're number seven. So this one, as we spoke about cover versions just now, and this one was ruined for me by somebody's cover. Now, I can't remember who did it, but um, somebody, Dawn, it's Strawberry Fields Forever. Mm. Uh, and they, there was a cover version, I think, of the uh, early 90s, maybe the late 80s. Um, 
and it was awful. It was god awful, but it was played and played and played until it literally. Now, whenever I hear the opening chords, I think of the cover version rather than the original. Yeah, because it was uh, more of a rave kind of version, wasn't yeah. it? It was like um, something Dawn, wasn't it? I can't think what their other first name was. No, but you're thinking absolute... you're thinking of PM Dawn, aren't you? Oh yeah, well, it was wasn't. It was like Candy true. Candy Flip. Nice. Candy Flip. Candy Flip. This one was not a hit in America, but I no. feel like I feel like I heard it too. I think I know what you're talking about. And yeah, that can definitely happen where somebody comes out with a rave version or makes a dance record out of a, a song record. you used to love. Yeah, it was very much of the acid house time that we had in. Uh, well, Pav's representing with his bucket hat on now. Like, he sure is. <laughs> um, it was um, it was at that time, and it was god awful. But yet it was played almost constantly everywhere, and it's tainted my view of this song now and alas every i've tried and tried when i listen to sergeant peppers i leave it on and i leave it playing but all i start thinking of how did they ever get the license to do that and it makes me angry almost which is tainted it was candy flip but you can't get it on apple apple music for some reason (laughs) we'll let you play it we'll let you play it but uh what so even that because of that version it triggers it's sort of, yeah, PTSD. <laughs> I was that traumatised by it. It was, yeah, it's, it has sullied that song for me. And in all these years, it still hasn't passed. Wow. Mm. Another Beatles classic in your top 10 worst Beatles well, songs. I'm not denying that. That's right. I'm not denying that. There's no criticism of the Beatles record. No. Not at all. I it's, suppose. Somebody has ruined the Beatles record for me by their own... right right okay i've got one that i think is a is a bit of a fan favorite that i think Susie and the banshees did a cover of um and that's dear prudence right um i find this one i don't think there's anything creepy in the lyrics um apparently it's about prudence farrow mia farrow's sister i think when they were in Mm. india um written by john lennon I just don't find anything that again that turns me on about this particular song. Um, <laughs> any of the versions, I didn't particularly like the Susie and the Banshees version from that must have been eighties. I would have thought, yeah. 80s, yeah. But that would have been the first time. That would have been the first time I heard the song. Yeah, um, sure. But yeah, I, like, I mean, the White Album is my favorite Beatles album. I, I don't think we've uh, it, it told, told those stories yet about which one we love the most and. There are a lot of songs on there that are kind of in that vein, like Dear Prudence, like Julia, like I Will. John Lennon was very prolific during that time. And I like them all. <laughs> I like them all. I, th- I like Dear Prudence, too. I mean, it wouldn't be the, the toppermost of the poppermost, as they used to say about the Beatles, but it certainly wouldn't be anywhere near my bottom bottom 20, for sure. Mm. I have to say, I'm a bit of a fan of that. Both versions, Pav. Really? Like that song. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right, that's fine. That's fine. I'm not nah, going to. I'm not going to get in a mood about it, Neil. I've seen your top ten. I'm not going to get in a mood about that when I see what your top ten is. That's fine. Oh, don't it'll even get worse. <laughs> <laughs> I bet it will. Um, being your number six, then please. All right, my number six. I could have picked a number of different songs for this one that all represent the same thing. I said earlier, this, uh, at least one of the songs on my list was gonna uh, was gonna reflect some of the Beatles' uh, bad decisions that they made or bad habits that they had, and that was when they 
and they were churning out albums. It's hard for people to imagine now when it takes two, three, four, eight, 13 years between albums, they were churning out two, two and a half albums a year. Mm. It was a crazy pace that they were on. And those first few albums before they really found their legs as songwriters and started doing all originals, those first few albums are just packed with covers. Yeah. And they had, and they knew how to please a crowd from all those times on stage in, in Hamburg and at the Cavern Club, they knew the, their rockers. They knew their rollover Beethovens and their long tall Sallys and their money, that's what I want. And they were all killer songs because the Beatles, their favorite music was what was coming out of America, especially mm-hmm. R&B and blues songs that were coming out of America, much like the influence on the Rolling Stones as well. But once they started getting to their fourth and fifth album, they were kind of running thin on great covers. And it was almost like, I don't know. Do you guys know any other songs? (laughs) So the one that I have chosen to kind of represent that is Mr. Moonlight. Now, Mr. Moonlight was a very obscure song, not a hit in America in its original incarnation by a band called Dr. Feelgood in the Interns. If you've ever even heard of them, I haven't. And it's just a bore. There's nothing interesting or exciting. It was, it's literally an album cut filler. Mr. I could have just as easily picked a taste of honey, by the way, for the same reason, which is a great instrumental by Herb Albert, but the lyric version is just terrible. (laughs) But that's something that it's a song that they knew. It's a song that they decided, Hey, we can play that one. Let's play that one and put it on the album. So kind of representing the tail end of them running out of good covers, I've chosen Mr. Moonlight as my number six. I must admit, I was um, when I was going through, a couple of years ago, I started from the very first Beatles album and went all the way through. And I was the same as like you've just said, and like Neil said earlier on, the first few albums, they, they, they sound very samey because obviously they haven't found their feet as songwriters and stuff. Um. And it almost, it, it broke the, because every, everybody in their mind has that the Beatles are the greatest or, you know, one of the greatest bands ever. And when I started listening to the albums one after another, I started thinking, oh my God, maybe the Beatles aren't quite as good uh, as I actually thought they were. Then as you get to things like Rubber Soul and and for, you think, oh, no, actually I was wrong. And I think it, would it be because they had maybe two days to write, to, to, to record the album that it, it ended up they just had to do what they could do to fill an album yeah i'm I'm absolutely i mean they're in a pressure cooker situation that debut album was famously recorded in one day yet they still were such a great band that they were able to record twist and shout as the last song of the night and just blow out john lennon's voice yeah i thought like i said i'm giving them all the credit in the world for the fantastic taste they had in cover they needed to do covers they weren't writing songs fast enough to fill up whole albums they can't all be great that's a minor ding on a great band. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, go on then, Neil, you're number six. So it's Obla Di Obla Da. Oh. I've never been a huge fan of this one. It's a bit too, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, great, maybe? <laughs> Is it great? I mean, to be honest, I, I had a little inspirationally look on Google. And this appeared on a lot of people's worst top 10 songs, Obladi Oblada. And I thought, well, there we go. Um, I don't know. I mean, because obviously Marmalade seems to be more famous for their version than the Beatles version. I don't like Marmalade version that much either. It's it's one of those songs that, is it, you used the word before, is it too twee? I don't, I don't quite, can't get quite a grip on it. I don't know. It's just never struck a chord with me, that song. It's a it's a working men's club song. It's um yeah. it's a crushed velvet suit band playing on a in a in a smoke filled bar 
with Bernard Manning as the as the co-host. <laughs> yeah, that's what it always seems to me. But it's it's a, one of those great four chord songs. It's one of those songs that is like the same four chords as nearly every other song. That's mm. that's great. But to um, reiterate again, it's not a bad song. It's just one of these songs that I personally, it's not one that would be on my my chosen Beatles playlist. It wouldn't be in my top ten at all. It's got that. It, it really does. It does stand out from some of their other songs in that interesting lilting beat. It's. I'm not going to say it has a reggae beat, but it definitely has something going on that's yeah. a little different than all of their other songs. It kind of most reminds me maybe of the Ballad of John and Yoko. That same kind right. of chug 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 thing. Uh, yeah. There you go. I mean, what, 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 what better kind of argument to give back to you than <laughs> but, but one of the things that I love about the Beatles so much, and you know, I don't have any particular distaste or, or massive affection for that song is I don't know that who else could have written that. I mean, we, we now are used to hearing the words, but somebody, it came out of somebody's head. Nobody had ever heard that expression before. I don't think, I think it's just something they made up. Right. That's just how, how their mind worked. I mean, they're just mm. different. They're just on another level. I think that's it with a lot of the Beatles songs is that nobody had heard those kind of things ever before. Right. And I, and I, I was only thinking about this today, the episode that we did about, um, you know, play, times you'd go back in time where you would go. The one thing I should have put on my top 10 is like the day that Sergeant Pepper came out or the day that a Beatles album, the feeling it must have been that the, when a Beatles album came out, Mm. You wouldn't be able to understand what it is today because it's and people churn well, music on, out. Hold on, hold on. We know, we have right said Fred. It's not like we don't have our, the modern day equivalent. All right. I mean, I never thought of that, did I? And obviously, but they only did one album, didn't they? They only did one. I album. mean, we only repeated the album over and over. It made it feel like more. Yeah, and obviously Taylor Swift as well. And now I am an official Tay Tay fan. Fantastic. You're a Swifty. Yeah. I'm a Swifty. I am I a Swifty. You know, uh, that'll be our next mm-hmm. one. Bean will do top 10 Taylor Swift songs. How about that? Uh, top 500 Taylor Swift songs. <laughs> if you're doing it, we're doing it right. I'd have to start listening then, wouldn't I? Uh, dear. Right. My number six is something that the first time I heard about this song was in the movie 10 uh, with Dudley Moore. And, and my first one of my first ever crushes, obviously, the lovely Bo Derek. It's Why Don't We Do It in the Road? He makes some. He's he's drunk and and he sort of says, you know, what kind of a what kind of a song is that to to grow up to or something? Is why don't we do it in the road? But this is one of those songs that, like you said earlier on, being it's basically the say it's a blues riff, and that's all he's singing is why don't we do it in the road to this blues riff? And I'm sure it's just them just farting about. Let's record that, and that's another track on the album. Now I don't know if anybody else likes this song. I just find it a bit pointless. I find it pointless as well, and I love it. All oh, right, okay. Really because I love Paul McCartney's rock voice. Yeah, which you hear on this. And yeah, that's, that's the voice you hear on "Oh Darling" is one of his great vocal performances of all time, too, from Abbey Road. This song, look, it, there's nothing to it. No, it's just the same thing repeated. You're right; they're goofing around. They're yeah. just goofing around. I just find it fun. I don't find it objectionable at all. And is it their dirtiest song? Would you say? I, I, I would assume is it their so. Song? I would assume is that so. Yeah, I yeah. would assume so. Um, yeah, I uh, I like it. How about you, Neil? What are your feelings on why don't we do it in the road? It's, well, I certainly don't skip the track. I really haven't given it a deep thought. I I must enjoy it because mm-hmm. it always stays on when I play through it. Yeah, so. and like you said, Bean McCartney's voice is a superb, killer, it, yeah. isn't it? 
It really is. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Yeah, yeah and, and Lennon's Your Blues, by the way, is in the same vein as this song, mm, which is yeah. just a, just an anguished, mournful wail, basically. And I think that's yeah. fun to kind of hear them really, like, putting the needle in the red. Yeah, yeah. Do you, do you not, um, Pav, are you sort of a, are you not a big fan of the sort of more rockier Beatles songs? No, I love, uh, oh, I love uh, the original Revolution and mm. um, other songs that I can't think of at the moment. Like in the USSR <laughs> and things like Hel- that. Helter Skelter. Helter Skelter, yeah. yeah. Everybody's got something to hide except for me and my monkey. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> yeah, there, there, are some, there are some great ones. It's not that I'm, I'm not averse to those kind of songs. There's certain songs... I mean, like I said, that one I just found pointless. And as much as Paul McCartney, I, I love Paul McCartney's like rock. Vo- I mean, "Live and Let Die" is one of the greatest, I think, vocals ever in a song, where he, he mm. goes everywhere with that vocal. Um, mm. One of, and again, it's, it's a great song. But I mean, there's just something about that one that just doesn't doesn't float my boat. I'm afraid. I got to ask you guys a question. You may be too young to know the answer, but back when Capitol Records was trying to squeeze as many Beatles albums out as possible during the duration of the band's group, you know, they would take singles and pull tracks off albums and create albums that didn't exist over here where they were originally released. Even after the band broke up, they put out a Beatles love songs album. They put out a Beatles live at the Hollywood bowl album. These are hard to find now. I've got them on CD on Japanese import, but they never really officially re-released them, you know, for the CD and, and vinyl market. Market. Did they put out the rock and roll compilation here? The Beatles rock and roll 
is what or rock and roll music. It might've been called. It was a double album set that went all the way from the beginning of their biggest rock records, all the way to the end of songs like back in the USSR and Helter Skelter and things like that. So it, it's putting on a Beatles album where you don't get any of the ballads and you don't get any of the weird stuff. You just get the balls out rockers and it's a killer collection. And if they didn't make it here, it's a fun playlist to just recreate for yourself on your streaming service so that you've got that when you're in the mood for some really rocking Beatles. That's, mm. It sounds familiar. It's, it, that sounds familiar. I don't suppose you know, have you got that album, have you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got it. It has it was, a double album and it has a silver color, a silver, uh, silver jacket that has them in their suits and their guitars and everything like that. It was just a killer compilation, oh, right. like I said, throughout their entire career of their most rocking songs. And it's really one of my favorite Beatles albums. There you go. Mm. There you go. That'd be something. You'll have to send us what the uh, track listing is being. Yeah, yeah. We can make a make a playlist of that. Uh, okay, then. Uh, being your number five. All right. This is the first one on my list. It's a big hit. I don't think you guys will object so much because it only showed the very beginnings of what would become our boys in the Fab Four. It came out 60 years ago, if my maths are correct. Yay. Or maths is. Which maths, way is correct? Math, maths. If maths, maths correct. Say it like that. That's fine. Well, you need a verb. I'm sorry. I, I got to put in a verb. Sixty years this October is when the first Beatles single came out, and it's "Love Me Do." Now, there's nothing wow. objectionable about "Love Me Do," except it sounds like your grandkids could have written it, Pavo, because it's. Well, we all remember it's love, love me do. You know I love you. I'll always be true. So love, love me do. <laughs> That's my number three, by the way. Is really? It? Yeah. <laughs> and it's fine, and it's cute, and it's quaint, and you hear it, and it just it makes you feel good because you knew what was coming, but not because of what you were listening to. Mm. I find that yeah. like, those those kind of songs are the ones that are untouchable, that, that, that they're indestructible, and they should never be in any anywhere near where you say the word worst. Mm. But I, we were forced to make a list. We I know. To choose from what yeah, we have. I, right? totally I totally agree. I totally agree. When you listen to the, the later Beatles stuff and the, the more they advanced and their songwriting got on, that's when the things like Love Me Do seems to me a lot weaker than what was to come. And that's why right. it's ended up on my list. It's like, like being said, it literally, love, love, me do. And you're, it's, yeah. But do you know how hard it is to write a simple song, a song that, that I think the, one of the, the hardest things to do when writing a song is to write a song that you think a, a, your grandchild could, could write. Mm. I've, I've written songs before and I don't know where they come from. I honestly don't know where they come from because and I'm not putting my, obviously putting myself in the same place as Linda McCartney. What I heard is I could have written most Beatles songs. That's, <laughs> That's what I heard. Yeah, How about you? Well, I wasn't saying it in so many words, but, um, but something as simple as that, and we, and again, we've seen in the Get Back documentary how they are just plinking and plonking on the guitar or the piano, and all of a sudden, Get Back starts, and you think, yeah. Jesus, it was that simple. Something like Love Me Do, which I'm, that was that was a, a true Lennon and McCartney song, I think, wasn't it? Right. They were they both wrote yeah. it opposite yeah, each other and, with guitars. And I- and I would add, please please me to that list. Yeah. I would add from me to you to that list. They're fine, but they're just, they're young songwriters who are writing very simple songs at the time and they're charming in their way. But in the the total over, if that's how you pronounce that word of the Beals, you can't put them anywhere near the top for sure. Mm. But that to me, I don't know how old they would have been, early 20s when they wrote those. 
that's very early very early yeah. that's incredible that they're writing songs like that at that particular age i mean it's just is it though i mean george oh. michael wrote careless whisper at 17 yeah but then that's what i'm which saying so much more advanced you know what i mean honestly which is miles miles better than love me do but I do you think. do you not think we don't get songwriting like that unless there are people like the Beatles and the Stones in the sixties and seventies, or do you think that oh, they that they would have been George Michael would have been there no matter what? Oh no, I think it's impossible for us to even imagine the musical landscape if the Beatles hadn't existed. It yeah. would, yeah, I think it would look very. Yeah. I mean, look, do you guys see the movie yesterday? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. we yeah. know, right? There's no, there's no Oasis. I'll tell you that exactly, exactly. <laughs> and that's what I think is that everyone would probably still be recording just four tracks and um, you know no overdubbing and stuff like that if it hadn't been for the Beatles, but. Again, we will never know, will we? That's right. the thing. We'll never know. Uh, right, Neil, your number five was Dig It. It was. So my number five is Tomorrow Never Knows uh, from the Revolver. Now, this is... I can take or leave when they start getting really trippy and really psychedelic. Um, I love Strawberry Fields. I love Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. This is one of the ones that I just don't like at all. So that was one of the ones that was quite easy to go into my top ten. Now, I don't know what you guys think about um, trippy and psychedelic music, but... Uh... I think I, for the most part, like it. I don't need them all. Uh, Tomorrow Never Knows I is pretty good. I like Rain more, I think, mm. which I think was the first record that ever had uh, backwards vocals on it. Um, I like Within You, Without You, which is also in that same super psychedelic vein. You know, that's where George brings out the sitar and stuff. I like the psychedelic side of the Beatle. Tomorrow Never Knows is probably not one of my favorite of that collection, but I like it. Yeah, it's not too... But I find you have to be in a mood to listen to the psychedelic sort of thing. You know, it's not one of those ones, if you were having a playlist for the day and it came off, it came on and you're not in the mood to listen to something like that, you know, like Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds and things like that, which are absolutely classics, you may not appreciate it if you're not sat in that mood to take it in, to absorb it, because music is to be absorbed, isn't it? So... (laughs) So do you think I was just in a funny mood when I... I well, not necessarily, but maybe try it again when you're in your happy place or psychedelic oh, place. Take goodness. some mushrooms, Pat. <laughs> <laughs> I got told today, I said, uh, talking to a friend at work, and they said, yeah, you've got the kind of character you should never try weed, Pav. He said you should just never try it because you'd just be too anxious and, and too paranoid. So there you go. I've been told. Oh. Well, swap it out for mushrooms. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Maybe we'll do them together, Bean. I mean, you keep saying you're going to do them, so maybe we'll do it. We'll... I've always wanted to, man. We should do I a just, live I podcast got... and do that. We used to ask, you know, we used to have a doctor on our show very often. His name was Dr. Drew. Dr. Drew Pinsky is very well known in the United States, hosts a lot of TV shows. I always tried to get him to run for Surgeon General. I thought he would have been great for the for the health of the America if he had. But I always used to try to get him to give me permission, if you will, to do some psychedelic mushrooms because I said millions of people have done it and have great experiences and they they learn things and see things that they never would have otherwise. And he said, look, yeah, you can. There's always a chance that it will do permanent damage. A chance. It may be remote, doesn't happen to most people, but there are people who do one trip 
and it ruins them. Right. Yeah. Ruins, and yeah. I just, I can't roll the dice and take that risk that it would, I mean, I'm so tempted to, but I just feel maybe when I'm much older, cause I plan to live to be a hundred at least. Right. Maybe like at a hundred, I'll go, all right, now it's kind of safe. <laughs> I'll, yeah. I'll try it. And maybe that's, that's what you need to do to enjoy a tomorrow never knows, Bob. Yeah, you might, you might have to, Pav. Famously, they do it like in places like Thailand and that mushroom pizzas, magic mushroom pizzas. Oh. So that might be the way to do it, Pav. Okay. All right. Oh, you know, God, that would be dangerous. I'd get an overdose pizza. when I, I'll overdose on mushroom, magic mushroom pizzas. I'm not worried about overdosing. I'm worried about screwing up my brain to the point where like I now am a vegetable you know what yeah. I, mean? I know yeah. that the chances are extremely remote but you it's a gamble anytime you take any kind of serious drug it's a gamble and you're yeah. working hard at doing that anyway by banging your head every five minutes Bean, aren't you right. so it's, you know. it's already a miracle I'm still alive yes. <laughs> <laughs> right uh, number four so that was my number five um, Bean's number four was Maxwell Silver Hammer correct uh, so Neil your number four please so it's another novelty song, and I, uh, it features quite heavily on the Get Back documentary. It's Octopus's Garden, Ringo Starr. Um, now, I appreciate that I love the way they all chip in and help Ringo write this song and, and bring it through, but it is still just a kid's song, isn't it? It, it literally is. It's something you would have on a, a child's sort of story time at night, put Octopus's Garden on to finish before you put them to bed I don't know it just resonates that way to me it just seems very very childish for somebody so grown up at their age that they were by that band I agree with you. It's very slight. Obviously, it is a kid's song. I think you could put this in the bin with Yellow Submarine but they're children's songs. If we yeah. judge them as children's songs, they're great. If we judge them as adult songs, they are lacking, I think. Mm. So it depends on what standard you're going to put on Octopus's Garden. I think it's cute how hard they tried to give Ringo songs to sing, though. They, they did. Didn't yeah, to, they I didn't need it. to. No. Yeah. And uh, they, he didn't get many, but that's, you know, that's one that I think he did a nice job on it. I think it's a mm. cute song, but you're right. It, we, it's, it's not for us. It's not for us. It's for it's the kids. Not, no. Yeah. Yeah, I was. I mean, I don't know whether or not you guys thought the same that when we said we're going to do the worst Beatles songs, that the majority would be Ringo songs, or there'd be quite a few Ringo songs in there. But for what they are, they're beautiful songs. Mm. You know, they are great songs. Um, he's not the greatest singer, but then that's not really what he's there for, is it? And I yeah, think he's, he had a and he had a killer solo career in the 70s Absolutely. too. I mean, he really, I mean, he had a lot of help, but he really had good choice of material and yep. sang the hell out of out of those songs. For yeah, sure. He's a talented guy. I mean, I think we would look at Ringo Starr as a great musician if he hadn't been in the Beatles. Yes. <laughs> and you have to compare him to what his his teammates accomplished, right? Exactly. I completely agree. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so that's your number four then, Neil. My number four is from the Magical Mystery Tour. It's Baby, You're a Rich Man. Um, uh, the Magical Mystery Tour album is one album that I haven't really spent a lot of time listening to. I think it's the weakest yeah. of all the albums. I yeah. Do. And 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 that song is one of those songs again that just it just it feels like it's gonna go into a direction and become a great song, but it just seems to just sort of stick on the same road. It doesn't seem to go off and do anything. And I think that's the reason is like you start listening to it and you think, right, this is gonna be a bit of a rocker, this is gonna be a bit of a bop. And it just doesn't do anything. It doesn't it mm. doesn't turn into this classic Beatles song. And I don't know whether it's just the it was the 
it was where they were at that particular time, the, the decisions they were making with the whole Magical Mystery Tour project, if you like, and the, <laughs> yeah, and the drugs. But yeah, that's my... Uh, uh, I genuinely don't like the Magical music, uh, Mystery Tour um, film or whatever, special. Uh, I find it too bizarre for me. Hmm. Yellow Submarine 2, by the way, yeah, it's it another d- one. has aged so poorly, Yeah, mm. I think. Yeah, and yeah, it just, it, I don't know, yeah. But that was, like, for that matter, I don't think the Help movie is very good. It has a few good scenes, but I don't think the Help film is very good. Hard Day's Night is one of the greatest movies, period, of all time, music or otherwise. Genius, brilliant. Yeah. Uh, the rest of them, I don't, I don't think, I mean, I think they really, they fell off quite a bit in quality. There was no creative control, I think. I think they were just left to do what they wanted to do. They were that right. big. So. And let's remember for Yellow, Sub- Yellow Submarine, the film, that's not even their voices. They that's right. People to sound like them. That's <laughs> right. So that's how uninvolved they were. Mm. Yeah. And wasn't it right that the, the, the first version of Lord of the Rings... The rotoscoped version. They were going to do The it. Beatles yeah, that were going to be, be the Beatles, the Hobbits, the mm. Hobbits. Yeah, that would have been something worth watching. I tell you. Yeah, yeah, that would have been really Bizarre, good. But I, yeah, because that was a massive flop, wasn't it? I think. But didn't they show that on Boxing Day on BBC One? Um, yeah, the the yeah. original it, well, the Magical Mystery, Mystery Tour, yeah. and it just absolutely it, bombed. And had very few repeats after that. And I still don't think it's available. I still, I don't think you can stream it now or DVD it or anything like that. I think no. it's fairly well hidden. Yeah. By the way, since we're talking about all things Beatles, did you guys ca- catch the Ron Howard documentary for a couple of a uh, couple of years ago called Eight Days a Week? Yes. yes. Killer, right? Absolutely Killer. fantastic. <laughs> and for folks who don't know, this is a this is a movie about their live shows from the very beginning to the very end. And a lot of footage you think you've you think you've seen it all. Oh yeah, I've seen him running out on stage in San Francisco at Candlestick Park, but you haven't seen eighty percent of what's in this movie it was footage that they mm. uncovered that fans had you know on a video recorder that they had sat on for fifty years that they sent in. And there was so much footage of them in places like Australia that I didn't even know they ever even went. To. I mm. mean, it was so eye-opening, and it really is a nice way to, along with the Hard Day's Night, to understand what Beatlemania was all about and how crazy and how frantic it was, both as a, being a fan at that time and also what it was like for those guys as their bubble just got smaller and smaller and smaller and the more popular they got. Brilliant film, though. Yeah, it yeah. must have been so frustrating to to want to play live to your fans and not even being able to... I mean, I, don't, I think Ringo Starr said he was just watching the other people in the band <laughs> because he couldn't hear what was being played. Right. And and to be, to want to be performers and to play to your fans and not... I mean, the, the, the kind of technology that was there at uh, Shea Stadium, didn't they go through the, the tannoy yeah, system of the... Yeah. PA system of the actual yeah, stadium. That's all they did. Is they they didn't even set up speakers. They literally just went through the public address system that they used to use to announce who was batting next. Yeah, I mean, it was just completely unprepared for a show like that. Absolutely but crazy. It, it does. You're right, Pav. It does make you understand why they had to get off the road because there was just no return for them. You know, mm. they weren't getting anything out of going out there and doing a show that nobody could hear. Yeah, yeah. I do find things like that particular documentary and again get back with particular people like that and anybody that's not going to use the, the i word neil the anybody that's iconic when you start seeing them as human beings it it makes you realize that they are human beings i don't know if that makes sense because when you see these people that are just um like you see every beatles album cover is iconic but then when you see them just talking about normal things or messing around in a studio mm-hmm. you think my god they weren't 
they weren't legends. They were just normal people that just like right. that just talked about normal things. And uh, I can always remember the footage of John Lennon. I think at the door of one of his mansions and there was a guy there that had been walking for weeks to go and see him and was sort of saying, yeah, but your lyrics mean this man and your lyrics mean that. And he was going, no, I just made them up. I made these <laughs> lyrics up. They, they're not about me. They're not about you. They're just lyrics that I made up in a studio. And it, the poor guy was crestfallen. Like he, every word meant something to him. And he's just saying, no, I made them up. It's all bullshit. Yeah. I felt really sorry. Think, oh my God, these guys are put on pedestals. Uh, what poor Bob Dylan has been through for 60 years. Right? Yeah. People are trying to make him out to be God with the lyrics that he's written. And he says the exact same thing is they mean nothing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm just making, I'm just making a record. That's yeah. all I'm doing. Exactly. George Harrison's trying to write something and put, and John Lennon's going, well, just put anything, put cauliflower in there. That's fine until <laughs> you can get the word. Oh my God. Okay. That's number four. So being your number three, please. Are you guys surprised how many different songs we have chosen for this list? So far? I really not thought we were going to have more duplicates. I must admit. Yeah, not yeah. All right. When I wrote this list up this afternoon, because that's how I roll is wait till the last possible <laughs> minute to sit down and hammer it out. I thought, I think I remembered what this song was. And now that I look at the title blue Jay way, I'm not sure I remember anything about it. It's from magical mystery tour. It's another one in the George Harrison, Indian drug sitar type songs. I think the lyrics are like, please don't be long. Please don't be long. Please. Just one of those just doesn't go anywhere. doesn't do anything completely inessential. I don't know what it means. I don't need it. It's my number three, Blue Jay Way. Blue Jay Way. Yeah. I'm trying to remember. I'm trying to really remember. See what I mean? (laughs) It's so forgettable. It's a weak track on their weakest album, Magical Mm. Mystery Tour. Yeah, I, w- I will say some more about this a little bit later on. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, it kind of uh, gives away a little bit of a spoiler, but there you go. Yeah, right. yeah. Um, I won't say any more. Sound familiar to you, Blue Jay Way, as you hear it there a little bit? Oh God! Yeah. Oh, now I know it. Yeah, I've forgotten this one. I, for, I listened to it this afternoon. I've already forgotten it. Yeah, it's because we we've just spoken about it. I really don't listen to the Magical Mystery Tour very much at all. Really, don't put that album on. So yeah, no, it's forgettable. Isn't it? instantly okay. forgettable. Okay, that's cool. That's uh, Beans number three. Uh, Neil's number three was Love Me Do. <sighs> okay. Oh, it's, it's Beans number five anyway. Okay, my number three. Bean mentioned it a little bit uh, a while ago, is Within You, Without You. Is, it, is that right? Yeah, Within You, from Sergeant Pepper. I I just... The sitar shouldn't be... Angry. Well, it shouldn't be part of, of, of rock music. It just really ah, shouldn't. There. It really shouldn't. There. It's just... it's. Then what are you going to do with Paint It Black? Mm. What are you going to do with that? You can take the sitar off that while we're at it? Come on. Yeah. I am. Okay. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> you're consistent. It just, it, the, I, I don't like it. Um, I can do without it. And uh, you should have just used a mandolin or a something else. So another, another, I'm trying to think. My mind went completely. Indians is what I'm hearing. Yeah. I'm hearing you hate the entire country. You know what? I was trying to think of ways of saying this so it didn't sound like I hated uh, that particular culture or everything. I love its food. 
Put it that way. I love Indian food. Oh, this is not going to look good in print, Pablo. I'm telling you, you think this is funny on a podcast? Do you see it in court? I'll tell you what. I'm not making. I'm not making this the clip that I'm going to put out to to promo the episode. That's for sure. Um, so I take it it's not in your, your guys' top ten then. No, I, it's I. It's not maybe my favorite song on Sgt. Pepper, but I love it on that album. I think it fits side uh, side two track one. Yeah, I'm down for it. Neil? Never really phased me at all, um, and uh, plus your your hatred of this sitar that's ruined my birthday present for you. <laughs> <laughs> to go along with the ukulele, we oh, I was going to say I've got a ukulele. I've got room for a ukulele yeah, in I here. But... It was the next step. I didn't want you to go to the banjo or anything like that. <laughs> the banjo. Like, that was what I was trying to remember. The banjo. I okay. thought no, a sitar. I could just see you cross-legged. Well, Christ on the floor <laughs> with your sitar. Those those years are gone, Neil. Mushrooms. Cross-legged. Oh, there you go. There you go. Okay. What, what an evening that would be. What an evening. Yeah. Please live stream that, Pablo. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say you'd be like Martin <laughs> Sheen in the beginning of the podcast. Oh. Now in the room. Please video it. Yeah, I will. By the way, I don't know if this is too uh, too specific. But I would listen to a top 10 of anything episode of the 10 best scenes in Apocalypse Now, because that is maybe my favorite movie ever. And really? It's so genius. Like, it'd be easy to pick 10 scenes. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. Easy. Right? Yeah. Well, I mean, that, there, there you go. go. That, that's There'd be from, a lot of duplication in that one. I that's, guess. Yeah, that's not exactly. a great idea for an episode, but I would listen to the hell out of that episode. Okay. Mm. Well, there's one for the, I'll, I'll just write that down. We'll have oh, that for man. later on. Okay. No, no, no one makes me want to go and watch that. Yeah. Oh, anyway. um, My wife has uh, put a moratorium on me being allowed to watch that because I have watched it so many times. And she mm. also will not let me watch it. She expressly forbids me from watching it with the dogs in the room because she says it's too scary. Right. I'm, like, okay. I'm not sure. I'm not sure the pugs get it. <laughs> I'm not sure they're going to be wigged out by Marlon Brando. I think we're fine, but she made me promise. I would have you, thought uh, they'd have got hungry in that scene with the cow. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I don't like that. Don't like that no, scene. I can I tell you that. Have you watched it enough that you can recite it as the movie is going on? I've never been that good at memorizing dialogue. It all sounds very familiar to me. I don't know if I could say it ahead of the actors, but God, that's a great movie. Yeah. There you go. What, right, a, what a streak, by the way. I know, oh. we're way off time. No, no, but keep Francis going. Francis Ford Coppola, to do The Godfather, do Apocalypse Now, do The Conversation, to a, do <laughs> The Godfather 2, all in like four years. It's just, I don't think anyone's ever had a hotter streak than that. I think that's why he nearly had a breakdown and a heart attack, didn't it? Just because of the yeah. pressure of all of that. Too much. Indeed. Right. Uh, being your number two. All right, my number two, like others on my list, is kind of representative of a number of other songs. I could have picked a number of other songs for this one that are all, I think, look, Abbey Road is a great album. It's a lot of people's favorite Beatles album. I honestly think that the medley, the Abbey Road medley, also known as the long one, is way overrated, way overhyped. People love that. I see Pablo's face here. Mm. I could have picked Sun King as being inessential. What's the point? Polythene Pam, don't need it. But the song that I chose to kind of represent how terrible most of the songs are in that medley is Mean Mr. Mustard. What the F, Mean Mr. Mustard. Now, I'm not going to discount the whole thing, the whole medley, because... It closes out with Golden Slumbers and Carry That Weight, which is brilliant. Those two songs together is one of the greatest uh, recordings of the, all of Beatles, right? But the rest of the medley, I think most of the songs are terrible. And I just chose Mean Mr. Mustard as being the worst of all of them. Am I way off base here? That's my number two. I mean, to be fair, I've, uh, when it comes to that, I thought that the Golden Slumbers 
Uh, was it gold? The carry the weight. Yeah, yeah carry, that is the bit that I love of that whole. That's the best part. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I mean, those songs I can yeah take or leave those ones, but those last three bits of that particular. Um, but me, I'm Mr. listening Mustard. to the I'm listening to the song now. I'm sorry, I was getting into it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I can understand that. I can understand that. There's a lot of there is a lot of throwaway stuff. Which, I mean, to be fair, Paul McCartney, even in his solo stuff, and Wings had a lot of throwaway songs, you know, a lot of filler songs, amazing songs, but then a lot of filler songs to go with them. Right, um, right. What's your thoughts on the Abbey Road uh, medley, Neil? Uh, well, I love I love the story, the side two, as we would call it, isn't right. it? We put side two on and away you go. It's one of the, one of the um, Beatles albums that I use to... Every night I'm a bit like Pavo. He listens to Carry On, I will listen to an album. And uh, Abbey Road is always one of the albums one time a week I will listen to, whether it be side one or side two. And side two is quite often my favourite to go to. <clears throat> so I, I don't dislike any of the tracks on side two. What's uh, Polythene yeah. Pam about? What's Mean Mr. Mustard about? Are they about anything, I guess I should well, say? Well, probably not. Because Just we, words that sound good together in their yeah, minds, Yeah, I right? think yeah. That's, that's what they were doing, wasn't it? At that time, they were experimenting in all ways, and well, the words is what they were experimenting <laughs> with as well. I mean, a lot of the songs, you, it's really hard to question what they're about when you hear right. them deep down, aren't they? It's Like I've said, they really are meaningless when you literally listen to what the lyrics of it, it they don't mean a thing. Right. Yeah, right. Especially right. sometimes... There's a great with... book um, that was written, actually, in Sirencester, uh, Revolution in the Head, I can't remember the author, which um, breaks down every song that the Beatles wrote and tries to give you a, a story behind, the, you know, what the lyrics mm-hmm. are about. And I would highly recommend anybody listening to this, if they want to learn a little bit about the Beatles lyrics, not that it gives you great answers in all of them, because there isn't any answers. No. It's in there. But, yeah, but again, if you look at... If you look at the way that they write a lot of their songs, where they're getting the music down and then they're working out the melody, a lot of the time they'll try and f- find words that will fit that melody, as opposed exactly. to thinking, I want to say that, so I'm going to change the whole song to just get that line in. So a lot of it is, I mean, I think Springsteen does the same. Did you go to on Broadway to watch Springsteen? I did. Yeah, I saw it. And what was that like? Because I saw it on, I think it was on Netflix, wasn't it? I think. It was on Netflix, yeah. No, it was killer. I got really, really lucky. I was in New York City for something. I don't remember what. And I called my wife and I said, well, I can't believe this. I'm already in PJs at 7 p.m. And she said, That's re- you're in New York City. We lived in Seattle at the time, I think. Mm-hmm. She's like, How you're, go out and do something that you can't do here, right? And I said, well, I, I don't know. It's seven o'clock already. You know me. I'm early, early to bed. And, she, and uh, I can't remember which one of us brought it up that the Springsteen thing was happening. And she knows what a crazy Springsteen fan I am. So she said, just look, there may be, there may be tickets available. And there was one <sighs> ticket available. Oh my I God. went on the website. It's already seven. The show starts at eight. There's one ticket available. So I bought the ticket and now I got to figure out how to get cross town to get there and get a cab and the whole deal. And I just raced through it and just ran in the door practically as the lights went down and I was sitting I was sitting um, there's a there's a balcony like in a lot of small theaters there's a balcony that's kind of right on one side of the stage so you're and I'm in the front row of that balcony like just looking down on the stage Springsteen was 20 feet away or something Mm. like that 
and it's a great show. Yeah. As you know, you saw it on Netflix. It's yeah. a great show where he, for folks who don't know where he just tells all the stories and then leads into the songs that were written about that time in his life and everything like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm a lyrics guy. I love hearing this, the stories behind the songs, which is why your Beatles book sounds great, Neil. And, uh, it was a really, a really special evening. I'm so glad that Donna, the Viscountess uh, prompted me to not just make it an early night and get out and do something. It was fun. Mm-hmm. And, but he's, what- and he's back. He's back doing it again. Too. Oh, is he? Yeah. Is yeah, he? He took some time off and now he's, you know, for pandemic, obviously now he's back doing it. So people who are going to America, you may want to try to check it out and see it in person. Oh, that'd be great. Oh, the, but the one thing about that is I'm again, I, I love his lyrics and I always think that that's him, but I think he, he, he even mentions it that, you know, not all these songs are about me. Of course. You yeah, know, and I was actually a bit crestfallen yeah. with that. I thought, oh my God, it's, he's making it up. He can't be yes. making it up. He's the boss. He's supposed to be living these, these, these songs. <laughs> What's your favorite Springsteen song? Oh my God. The river is one. The river is my favorite. Are we best me, friends? I think so. I think what so. What was yours, Neil? That would be up there for me. It'd be up well. there for you too. Yeah. yeah. And that's my favorite Springsteen album too, is the river. I actually think tunnel of love is my favorite Springsteen album. Oh, now that's a, that you're an, an, an odd man out on that. I know. I, think. I know. But I think it's just, there's a few just heartbreaking songs on that album. Mm, there are, but I don't think, I don't think there's anybody that touches Springsteen live. I just don't think there is. There's, I agree. I mean, I've, I saw him back in a, the eighties for the, um, Oh God, it was the Amnesty tour mm. when it was, Mc- uh, no, it wasn't McCartney. It was Peter Gabriel, right. Springsteen, Tracy Chapman, Tracy Chapman Gabriel, Sting. Yeah, right. Right, um, right. I saw that too, yeah. And I wasn't a massive Springsteen fan at that time and I couldn't understand because he was headlining it and when he came out, everybody was booing him and I, and I was with my mate and I was going, why is everybody booing? He's supposed to be really good. But they were all going, Bruce, Bruce. I didn't realise it. Used to, yes. But then from that day, I was like, i got to see him live and, I've, and I haven't yet. So I'm hoping he'll come to come to Britain again and um, and tour. Maybe but... bring that show to the West End for a few Wouldn't that be great? Oh be my lovely. God, wouldn't that be great? Welcome to the Springsteen podcast, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Neil, you're number two. So again, it's a child song. We've we've touched base on it. We've talked about the movie. It's Yellow Submarine, I'm afraid. It's, it is what it is. Um, I, you know, if I was to give somebody a greatest, make a compilation of the greatest hits, I certainly wouldn't put that on for them. Um, it's I, got great sound effects in it. It has. This is true. This is true. <laughs> sounds like but me in the bath. That's what it sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm not even a fan of the movie. Like we said, I really am not. It's and, and like Bean said, it really hasn't aged at all well, no, has it? No, really hasn't aged well. But even the song, yeah, I can give that one a big miss. Big miss. I have nothing to add. You said yeah. it up beautifully. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right there. Although it isn't in my top 10, but yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, my number two was Revolution 9. Um, mm. So we've already talked about that. So, Bean, if you would like yeah. to give us... Well, nicely, sorry, sorry, nicely uh, done. Sorry, sorry. That was a mistake. I hit a button. <laughs> I didn't... I did not mean to play anything. I apologize. Oh, my God. <laughs> what so the hell sorry. was that? It was... Remember a few weeks ago when we had uh, the, the Eunice and we had the hurricane? Yeah, yeah. He was the plane spotter. He was, oh, right. he was down <laughs> in, in <laughs> trying to encourage all the lads, lads to land their plane. Here, yeah. 
<laughs> Nicely done. That was, yeah, but I don't know why I had that up, but I hit it by accident, and I apologize. Oh, I have to admit, though, Bean, I mean, it has been going really well. That Nothing has gone wrong yet, so thank you very much for doing that, because I was getting a bit I worried. I, was I, getting, I had to be janky somehow. Had At least to be. it was my fault. Had so. to be. Uh, so can you give us a countdown for your 10 to 2, please? Number 10, The Beatles Instrumental Flying, number 9, Not Quite a Song, Dig It, number 8, Revolution, number 9, also not a song, number 7, The Very Creepy Run for Your Life, number 6, Mr. Moonlight, okay song but a boring cover, they ran out of good ones to do, number 5, Just Primitive Beatles, Love Me Do, number 4, What the Hell, Maxwell's Silver <laughs> Hammer, number 3, George Harrison's Blue Jay Way, I've, I don't remember a thing about it. We played some of it like 20 minutes ago, and I've already forgotten it. Uh, me, Mr. Mustard, part of the Abbey Road medley, was my number two. Okay, Neil, you're 10 to two, please. So at number 10, Long and Winding Road. Yes, sorry, Pav. Uh, number nine, Maxwell Silver Hammer. Number eight, I Want to Hold Your Hand. Number seven, Strawberry Fields Forever. Number six, Obla D, Obla Da. Number five, Dig It. Number four, Octopus's Garden. Number three, Love Me Do. Number two, Yellow Submarine. Okay, and mine is number 10, uh, Paperback Writer. Number nine, Taxman. Taxman, was that before or after the Batman TV series? That would have been before, wouldn't it? I would have thought. Because no, isn't that... No, it was after. Because Sergeant Pepper was 67, Batman oh, was 66. Yeah, yeah, 66, wasn't it? So, yeah. so uh, did they rip off the Batman theme tune then? Because they go, Taxman, which is the same as Batman. That's very interesting. Don't know. Okay. I'll ask Paul when he comes around. Ask Paul next time he comes okay. round for his yeah. Uh, yeah Yorkshire puddings. For his um, uh, Marmite sandwich. Yeah. Number eight for me was You Won't See Me. Number seven, Dear Prudence. Six, Why Don't We Do It in the Road. Five, Tomorrow Never Knows. Four, Baby, You're a Rich Man. Three, Within You, Without You. And two, Revolution Nine. So, Bean, what is your number one worst Beatles song of all time? This is going to be my most controversial opinion because it is another of their big hits. In fact, Pavo, you mentioned this song by title earlier today. And I also have a little bit of what Neil's talking about, which is maybe it's me and not them. It is a song that I never need to hear again because I've heard it a billion times. It's also more than seven minutes long. You're not going to so say repetitive it. that oh. when I hear the first second, I cannot turn the radio off fast enough. And it's a little song called Hey Jude. Oh, my Lord. Unbelievable. I can understand where Bean's coming from. I really can. When it, it is, happens, it's And then you know what it says after that? And then it just does that for another four minutes. I'm sorry. I can't. And it feels like it because we did it at the close of one of our live shows for another podcast we did, and we sang out on that song. And boy, did it feel like an eternity. But to be fair, that that version that cover version or karaoke version whatever it was was like the seven and a half minute long version so yeah. you can't get it shorter than that's that that's the whole but, song you know that's yeah. the, oh, the record is over seven minutes long it doesn't need to be i'm sure if i had only heard it a few times in my life i would have no problem with it at all but i've i, I figured it out and i've spent four years of my years here on earth listening to hate jude that's how long that song is and that's how <laughs> yeah. that's why i can't do it anymore although i do like it when they play it on 
on the radio, you know, on the BBC radio. And if you listen carefully, you can still hear John Lennon go, fucking hell. <laughs> Which always, I think, when they're putting on the BBC, I'm like, yes. Well, if we want, if we want an actual recreation of that, if we get Bean to say that, it'll sound just like John Lennon saying it. Fucking hell. There you go. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. But then again, if you're in a crowd watching Paul McCartney live and he does that, there is I hope no. He doesn't. I know there's no show he won't do that and let it be. I have no time for let it be anymore. Even though it's a great song, I can't hear it anymore. I'm so burned out on let it be and hey Jude. Those two songs because when they do bring in Paul McCartney for a charity event, he's raising money for something, a big cause or something. He always does those two songs, mm, and yeah. I'm like anything else, Paul. Yeah. Please. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, that is that is controversial. I have to Music say. Music fatigue. It's a horrible thing, really, because you know full well that the song is absolutely perfect and brilliant. Right. It's just you are absolutely drained right. of hearing. I admit it. Okay. Yeah, I, I shall accept that. I shall accept yeah, that. Okay. Um, Neil, you're number one. Uh, so we've spoken about it quite a bit. Um, the White Album is my favourite album. Bar Revolution 9. I can't take it. I can't warm to it. I've listened to it. I've tried it. Mm. It's too experimental. Not your fault. It's not a song. No, exactly. It's not a song. No, it's not a song. It's like it's- listening to a guy tune a radio dial and just mm. stopping every every station and listening for two seconds, then going on to the next thing for eight and a half minutes. It is. Yeah. And it's far too long. Who let them do that for eight and a half minutes, like you said? Who re- They should have had a little bit of creative uh, control. Somebody Surely at, the, at that time, a little bit. they no, could do what they have. wanted, couldn't they? A bit, bit, bit like Tarantino is now with his movies. You know, we need somebody just to say, come on, this doesn't need to be three hours. You could lose half an hour out of this and make it a tight movie like you used to do. Mm. And it's the same thing with probably happened with the Beatles. Nobody's brave enough to tell them. I would have trusted the Beatles instincts at that time too, because a lot of the things that they did, I'm sure there were people who didn't get it, didn't get mm. what they were doing yeah. because they were pushing boundaries all the time. Absolutely. So for all these people knew they'd seen what they'd already done in the previous years. They thought, well, maybe this is the next big thing. They are the Beatles and I'm not. Mm. So I kind of understand why they let it fly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, putting it like that. Absolutely. I think that's exactly what it was. They, they, yeah. they, they were literally writing the book as they were going. Right. They earned the right to do whatever they wanted. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I would love to find somebody that does, that likes that song though and find out why they like it and, and what, mm. without any drugs being involved. Cause I would feel it's the only way you can enjoy that song is if you are high. Well, I still like to experiment when you take your mushrooms, pal, try the record and tell us <laughs> what you, you think. I'll try and play my sitar to that record <laughs> while I'm eating a magic mushroom pizza how about that <laughs> yeah live on on YouTube you will go viral you will, will never have sure. to work again well no because I'll be dead that's probably why <laughs> Neil <laughs> I mean you might be mentally scarred for the rest oh, oh of definitely you, right? you won't be dead definitely uh, okay my number one uh, is was Beans number three actually and it's Blue Jay Way I honestly have no idea what the hell is going on with this song. It's got it's got nothing in it. And like I said, I mean it's a, it's a George Harrison song. Um While My Guitar Gently Weeps is my favorite ever Beatles song. I don't think there's a song it be my top 5 songs ever, not just Beatles songs. It's just an amazing song. So how that same person can write something like Blue Jay Way, I don't understand. I don't understand how you go from one end to the other end um with with songwriting, but 
again, they're the Beatles. They can do what they want, as far as I'm yeah, concerned. And I've forgotten it already. Yeah. <laughs> I just played it and I have no idea what it was what it was that I was playing. Um maybe it erases your mind as you hear it. Maybe. Maybe that's what the maybe, maybe that's a sign of a great song, is that that's what it does. Yeah. Put it over a tannoy in a supermarket and then see if anybody like registers uh-huh. it. Yeah. There you go. Social experiment. You, I hear you can't Shazam it. That's how yeah. ephemeral it is. <laughs> uh, right. Before we, uh, before we finish, we've got some honorable mentions. Uh, we have a Donna Baxter here uh, said, even the worst Beatles songs are amazing. I am the walrus is nonsense and insanity, for example, but somehow still phenomenal. Uh, you will all have your work cut out for you, uh, which mm, is absolutely hard. right. Uh, Dawn Sardella Ayres said, um, agreed with Donna and said uh, not only that but it inspired so many other things after it hell even if we only had the reference from Simon and Garfunkel's Mrs. Robinson that would be enough to solidify its reputation uh, she also goes on to say I grew up suckling at the teat of the Beatles wow imagine that <laughs> Uh, and my parents' favourite album was the White Album. That said, I've never been able to handle Wild Honey Pie and Revolution Number no. 9. Even high, they're interesting once, but after that, grating to the point of being unlistenable. So there you go. Even high, you can't get into Revolution Number no. 9. Uh, Gina Brennan says, My son is a huge Beatles fan. I'm curious if he agrees with any of these. Uh, Samantha Laura, can't wait to listen. Love the Beatles, but I could go the rest of my life never hearing Yellow Submarine again and be mm-hmm. happy. And Christopher Rosales just found you a love match right there. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> uh, Christopher Rosales says, I know I'm in a minority, but I don't really care for the Beatles. Um, so that's an avid listener there. Thank you very much. Uh, however, the worst song has to be Obla D, Obla Da. Oh. And uh, Simon Townsend just said, When I'm 64. I'm assuming he's talking about the song or when he's uh, thinking about <laughs> yeah. about his future, just, maybe. I don't know. Just a quote, maybe. Just a quote, maybe. Uh, so, Bean, uh, the, yes, pod- the podcast, A Cup of Tea and a Chat, which I am... That's correct. Uh, ...honourably wearing one of your beautiful bucket hats, um, is, is still going strong? I think so. We're very lucky that we have a seem to have a very loyal following. Thousands of people. We're on uh, Patreon again, uh, like you are. It's called a cup of tea to chat. If people want to check it out, I did a very long running, popular radio show in Los Angeles on a station there, and I have teamed up with a former colleague from those days to do this show. And we're having a blast. It's just the two of us. She's such a smart, funny woman. I think people will really, really like her if they've not heard Ally McKay yet. But yeah, please uh, check us out. We do have a free version, a weekly sampler that's out wherever you get your podcast. And then if you like it and you want to hear more, we're doing three shows a week at patreon.com slash Allie and Bean. Thanks. Indeed. We will put the the, um, the links to the free version and the Patreon on the uh, on the show notes. Obviously, everybody listening to our podcast will remember Ali from our Christmas episode, the Christmas movies episode, and how wonderful that was. Um, I have to ask, there's a couple of questions I need to ask you, because we were, I was hoping to get you for the Christmas songs episode, because you, as we can see, anybody watching this on the YouTube, you have got thousands of CDs and albums. You've got a very extensive Christmas collection, haven't you? I do. The CDs behind me right now are all Christmas music. Oh, well, there you go. (laughs) No, that's not a joke. Those are the only ones that I moved with me to the UK from America. 
All right. the rest of my non-Christmas CDs are in storage. So yeah, this is all Christmas. And obviously I have thousands and thousands on my phone and on playlists. I listen to Christmas music year round. It's my favorite, my favorite genre of music because it encompasses all genres. There's Christmas songs of every stripe. Is this your way of starting to prime the pump to invite me to come back for a Christmas songs episode? Well, we did, we did a Christmas songs episode before. Oh, I missed it. Oh, yeah. But the thing I need to ask, and I did sort of question um, Ali on this because she hadn't heard of Wizard, Shaking Stevens, Slade. Mm. Sure. Did did oh. those did those Christmas songs not transport over to America? Because obviously in in Britain, every I mean they make a quarter of a million, mm. half a million pounds mm. a year. Oh, I know. The Status Quo song makes more than any other song they ever did in a 50-year career. Yeah, their Christmas song is their biggest song ever. Um, No, none of those songs made it in the United States. And you will once in a while occasionally hear them pop up on a little left-of-center radio station. But yeah, America is missing out on some of the greatest Christmas rockers of all time. Right, and so is there songs, American Christmas songs, that never came over here then that that, uh, sort of thought of the same way? Yeah, I'm sure there are. Yeah, definitely. All right. Okay. Like, what ones could you think of on the top of your head? Because I want to, I want to listen to some that because obviously we listen to the same Christmas songs every year. Yes. Well, that's my biggest pet peeve about Christmas songs is that they've narrowed it down. Like they've done, like we talked about earlier with radio stations that play 20 Beatles songs instead of 200, right? That's what they do with Christmas songs. There's about 50 songs that they choose from and then they leave out the rest. I don't know. Off the top of my head, I I don't know, but I certainly will send you a list. Absolutely. Wonderful. Uh, Go on then, Neil, if you would like to uh, tell everybody how they can get in touch with us and then we'll wind this up. Okay, of course I will. So you can find us on all the social media places at Top Ten Pods. Uh, give us a click, give us a like, give us a follow. Email us at Top Ten Pods at hotmail.com. Send us some ideas for what top tens you'd like to hear. And then do please come and help support the podcast at patreon.com forward slash Top Ten Pods, where you can get rewards such as our episodes, super early bonus episodes, behind the scenes, and even be a guest yourself, like the marvellous young Bean has been today. And check out all of our links via Linktree. You can find the link in the show notes and please do come and subscribe and leave a rating and review wherever you get your podcast from wonderful thank you very much neil uh thank you bean it's been an absolute honor so much fun i really appreciate it yeah thank you awesome Awesome. thank you and thank you again to jen berg and to janine bender for being our new uh patreon subscribers uh that's it thank you neil thank you thank you bean thank you bean and thank you Pablo thank you Neil and thank you very much everyone and let's go start the countdown 10 9 Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, 
all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.